0: Talk 1110-993-WBT. Welcome to the program. Pete Callender here. And uh, the phone numbers are 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Email to reach me is Pete at the Pete uh, Happy Thursday. Thanks for letting me be a part of your day. I appreciate it. So uh, I did not get a copy of the lieutenant governor's um, book. We Are the Majority, The Life and Passions of a Patriot. I did not get an advanced copy. It is due out September 13th. I haven't booked for the show, but uh, I guess for some reason, advanced copies went out to uh, folks in the media, particularly two outlets that uh, really are not huge fans of Mark Robinson here in North Carolina. They got copies. They got to read through it. And of course, they're going to tell us what the most important parts of the book are, obviously. Uh, they have no axe to grind. They have no bias whatsoever. They just got a copy of the book. They perused it, which, by the way, just a side note. I thought for most of my life the word "peruse" meant to just skim something, like you just kind of, like just kind of glance through it. Not true. It actually means the opposite. I know. Chris is looking at me like I have ten heads. It's true. Peruse means to actually like spend time reading something and i right see mind blown there you go i also learned after years of using the word forte as in that's not my forte and believe me i said that a lot all the time i said it some such and such is not my forte and then it turns out it's fort you pronounce it fort what the uh, Yeah. Anyway, always be learning, you know, just always be learning. Uh, Speaking of learning, this is uh, what W.R.A.L. Brian Anderson, formerly of the News and Observer or sorry, the AP. He was one of the AmeriCorps press people or whatever, this thing that puts people into newsrooms. And then he parlayed that uh, gig into a full time gig at W.R.A.L. And uh, WREL News obtained an advanced copy of the book, We Are the Majority, The Life and Passions of a Patriot, scheduled for release September 13th. And he offers up seven takeaways. Don't know why seven. Why not five? Could have been ten. Uh, I don't know. There's, it's like there's something about maybe the number seven, but it's not in the headline, so I'm not sure. But Whatever. These are the seven most important takeaways, the things that Brian Anderson and WRAL, uh, which, by the way, uh, uh, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson has directed fire at WRAL, calling them, we really are liberal. That's <laughs> that's what he did. <laughs> that's what, his acronym for the call letters. Uh, so I'm not sure there's a whole lot of love there, but yeah, you know, maybe. So Robinson... Or his publisher sends the book over. Brian Anderson skims through it, peruses it, reads it. I don't know how much, how in depth he read it, but here are his seven takeaways. Number one: Robinson is readying a 2024 gubernatorial run. I know. I'm as shocked as you are. Can't you tell? It's, I had really couldn't see that one coming at all. It like it wasn't obvious when Robinson said he wasn't going to run for U.S. Senate. Oh, no, not obvious. Throughout his memoir, the lieutenant governor all but announces that he's going to uh, seek the office. At one point says, while I have not declared for that race, we are making plans to make a strong run, should I decide to. So he hasn't. Because when you declare as a candidate for another office or for an office, they're like certain things start applying. Certain rules start applying. So. That's why a lot of times you get this uh, sort of tap dance with potential candidates. They don't come right out and say I'm running. Uh, they're, I mean, I mean yeah, sometimes they're also kind of juicing the uh, uh, the media coverage to try to get more coverage. Uh, I always point to Pat McCrory. He was a master at doing this. He would call news conferences or uh, you know put out a statement that he's going to make a he's going to make an announcement of something regarding his uh, electoral plans or something. And everybody races thinking that it's – which he did for the Senate run too. And I just remember laughing at the time because this was classic Pat. He would put out the, the announcement saying he's going to make an announcement and then he would show up and he would say, we are uh, thinking about it. And so he would get free coverage out of that. And he would do this all the time. But media has to go cover it and, you know, it fills the news hole, which is really the important thing for the newsrooms. All right, so that was the first takeaway – Mark Robinson might be running for governor. Number two, Mark Robinson wants to eliminate the State Board of Education. And this is really the this is the one that prompted all the outrage and leave science and history out of curricula for first through fifth grade. So far be it for me to cast doubt on a story that comes out of the uh, the corporate press, but I have not read the book. I did not get an advanced copy of it, so I cannot read the book. I can read the quote from the book that Brian Anderson has given me in the story, but I can't read the book. And call me cynical, but um, over the last yeah, probably six years, really kind of really started amping up this, um, well, cynicism, but this uh, hesitancy on my part to just accept the context provided by the media transcribers. I, I, I don't trust y'all anymore. I'm sorry. It's, it, it's partly me. It's mostly you. And I recognize I'm painting with a broad brush. But particularly the corporate legacy media outlets that have essentially become mouthpieces for institutions of a particular political persuasion. I I don't trust you to provide me the context around what somebody is saying, particularly when that somebody has been a bit combative, maybe, dare I call it, an enemy of the media, an adversary at the very least. So what did Robinson write? What's the quote that Brian Anderson is using? Well, there's two parts. One is the State Board of Education, and the other is about curriculum. News Talk 1110 993 WBT. So I'm going to read to you the passage from WRAL's story on the, the, the memoir. That North Carolina Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson has written, and it is due out next in a couple weeks, actually, two weeks or so, um, called We Are the Majority. And that was the line from his famous uh, speech in front of the Greensboro City Council that went viral and basically propelled his uh, uh, career into politics, where he parlayed that into a run for lieutenant governor uh, and won. Right. So here's how WRAL writes it up. And so this is directly from them. There's going to be a quote in here, and the quote comes from Robinson's book. But the first part does not. And this is why I say I need to know the context. I want to see the whole passage. And for the love of me, I do not understand why in today's day and age on the digital side, this is this this is a WRAL-TV news website, right? So you're already writing the scripts up. So why, and you're putting this up on the website, why are you not giving me a screenshot of the entire page? Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you give me the full text of the passage? I just throw that out there because I'm a bit suspicious. That being said, not on board with what this sentence from Mark Robinson says either. But I don't trust WRAL, so what, what am I to do? I want to read the whole passage, the whole, yeah, the whole Uh, page to find out the full context so here's what wral writes robinson said he would work to keep history science and a number of other subjects out of first through fifth grade curricula and instead prioritize reading writing and math and here's the quote from the book quote in those grades we don't need to be teaching social studies he writes We don't need to be teaching science. We surely don't need to be talking about equity and social justice. Robinson also reaffirms personal views on climate change that became a major issue in the 2020 election. Quote, guess what? Most of the people of North Carolina know global warming is junk science, he writes. So the way that this is written, and I look, I know how to write broadcast journalism. Okay, I was taught to. Well, what you've done here, this is writing. So there's a difference, by the way, when you write for the eye versus writing for the ear. You know what that means, right? Newspaper versus radio or television. You, in in broadcast journalism, you write for shorter sentences. You want, in the average English sentence, is about five minutes spoke or uh, five seconds rather spoken. So it, it helps you gauge like how long of a uh, a piece of uh, copy is going to be. But you're writing for the ear. So things that sound okay or acceptable might not look acceptable or okay on the page, and vice versa. But one of the things in print journalism, writing for the eye, that they always do, and you've seen this too, is you have a quote that ends with a comma, and then he said, or he writes, or she responded, right? And then they have another sentence. With quotation marks right after that. All on the same line. And what it conveys is a sense of uh, continuity. That these two sentences were written or said in the original form by the writer or the author. And me as a journalist, I'm just sticking in a he said right in the middle of them. And I've done nothing else. The problem is I don't know that. As the reader, I don't know that. I don't know whether or not that's true. I'm assuming... That's true because you shouldn't be mischaracterizing what someone said, right? You should not take somebody's quote, break it in half, take first a quote from the first half of what they said, and then tack on the last half of what they said if it distorts the meaning of what they said. You can't chop out the stuff in the middle of a longer quote if it then changes the context or meaning. This is journalism ethics, that's what this is. And because I don't trust WRAL, and this is not a personal slight against Brian Anderson. Uh, I, he, he sounds like a nice enough guy every time he asks Roy Cooper questions. But that might just be because it's Roy Cooper. Um, but I, I don't know him. Uh, I follow him on Twitter. He follows me. I think I, I interacted with him like once. But I've had some criticisms over the years of his work. Some of the stuff he's done has been good. But I, I don't trust this. Because he says, "What he's listen to? What he's quoting in those grades, we don't need to be teaching social studies. We don't." And then he stops it there, and then he sticks another sentence on: "We don't need to be teaching science. We surely don't need to be talking about equity and social justice." But the first sentence, the prior sentence, he says that we should be prioritizing reading, writing, and math. So, is that the context here? That. In other words, if the kids can't even read and can't write and can't do simple arithmetic, why are we trying to teach them anything else? For example, history requires an understanding of the language, does it not? Of course it does. If you cannot read, how are you going to study history? Oh, somebody can just tell you. This is oral history. They'll just tell you all the stories, and you won't be able to go and read up on them for yourselves, right? So, again, I don't know what the context of this is, and I am a bit suspicious. But this is all the left and the media, but I repeat myself, this is all that they needed to begin lobbying the attacks. Outrage has ensued. There's talk 1110-993-WBT, WRAL-TV, WRAL.com, With a the story, they got an advanced copy of Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson's upcoming memoir, And highlighted a single quote here that has caused lots and lots of outrage because Lieutenant Governor Robinson says in those grades, and I have to take him for uh, as word for it here, not Robinson, but the W R E L reporter Brian Anderson, that he's talking about K through five or first through fifth grade, because there's there's no direct quote of that. The direct quote is this. In those grades, we don't need to be teaching social studies. We don't need to be teaching science. We surely don't need to be talking about equity and social justice. And so people are saying, well, what kind of an education is that if you're not going to get science and you're not going to get history? And look, I got history and science lessons in K through five and first through or probably not through in kindergarten. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I remember doing a state report on Montana in fifth grade. As Lieutenant Governor, Robinson is a voting member of the State Board of Education. He nonetheless says he'd like to eliminate the department if he could. There's no conflict there, by the way. He later goes on to say the reporter says that Robinson is inconsistent on the role of government in social issues. Why? Because throughout the book, Robinson expresses, quote, conflicting views on the role of the government. Uh, On the role, sorry, the government should have on a number of social issues. He speaks critically of government financial assistance, noting it should not become a dependency. There's no conflict there, guys. This is one of those obvious examples of how members of the media and the left, but I repeat myself, that how little they understand conservatism and a limited government philosophy. So I'll make it easy. Here's an easy analogy. Right when the safety net becomes a hammock, right? There comes a point where it's too much. Too much of everything is not just enough. Contrary to uh, the Grateful Dead song, uh, it's you can't have too much. You can grow dependent on things, and it's not just people, and it's not a particular kind of person. It's everybody. It's entities and organizations. There are a lot of organizations that get hooked on government funding, like colleges, right? And then they grow dependent on it. They're not as nimble. They're resistant to change. Robinson speaks critically of the government financial assistance. Quote, once the government gets you hooked, it feels that it has the right to tell you what to do and how you have to live. I don't want anybody to tell me what I can or cannot do. No one should want that. That's for you to decide for yourself and your family, not for me, not for anybody else. Making those day-to-day choices is just as much what freedom means as having a position on the big flashy issues of the day. All of that's a direct quote. So for that, they could find like four sentences to string together, but not on the one that generated all the outrage from the left. But despite that view, he makes clear how he thinks people should act when it comes to abortion and same-sex marriage. Do you not see the difference between getting people hooked on government assistance creating a dependency mindset in that person essentially creating like a servile relationship where the, the government becomes your employer right wouldn't isn't that the analogy there but um you don't see the difference between that and abortion where there's another life at stake you don't see the difference between that or on the same-sex marriage issue thought well, this was interesting because robinson disagrees with uh with gay marriage but he says the government shouldn't be involved in it. That's not in conflict. What see what I mean? They, they have they have so little understanding of libertarian ideas, uh, conservative ideas, Republican ideas. So little understanding. Either that, or you just like just trying to stir the pot here and get the the liberal readers upset or something. I don't know. And maybe this. Maybe liberal readers read this and they're like, oh, my gosh, he's terrible. What a what a hypocrite. It's the same thing they did when they found out that he and his wife uh, before they were married had an abortion and lived to regret it. And he talks about it and, and put it on Facebook. And when they found it, they were like, oh, we got him now. And like, do you guys understand anything about Christianity and redemption? Like anything at all, at all. As Lieutenant Governor Robinson is a voting member of the State Board of Education, but he says he wants to eliminate the department if he could. Again, not in conflict. As a as Lieutenant Governor, it's one of the duties of the office you serve on the State Board of Education and serving on that board, he has gotten a front row seat to watch the dysfunction of the system as it exists. He says, "Quote, I would get rid of it. We need to have one entity, one person where the buck stops. Right now we have at least 3." School boards, the state superintendent of public instruction, and the local school systems. And none of them are truly answerable to the others. We need one entity to be in charge of education in the state so that when the legislature has questions and concerns, they can go to that institution, that single institution, and expect to influence the way education is done. He also wants an expansion of the school voucher programs. Uh, He says we need to build more. Uh, charter schools, not limit them. And if we find success along the way, we should bring it into the system. We might adopt charter school methods throughout the system. We might see a mass exodus entirely. And before you know it, traditional public schools might be a thing of the past. He also says schools need to do a better job of disciplining students who misbehave in the classroom, but that instilling va- uh, but that instilling values of right and wrong ought to be left to parents. Again, not inconsistent. That's not inconsistent. They... That, the school needs to discipline students who misbehave. And what you're telling me then is, oh, what, you can't do that unless you're also uh, instilling the values of right and wrong? Well, wouldn't the installation of the value be, hey, that's wrong. Now you're going to get punished for it. Now you're going to get disciplined. Right? And where does that knowledge come from? It should come from home. Right? Why is this, a, why is this some sort of, like, disconnect? Says if a child is hindering their own or others learning by misbehaving, the child must be stopped or removed from the classroom until they can demonstrate proper behavior. I don't see anything wrong with this either. But the outrage was really over. Oh, he also. Oh, oh there was another line. Hang on, there was another outrageous line uh, that the left got all upset about. Uh, he uh, he celebrated, heralded his wife Yolanda Hill as a major source of inspiration for him. Uh, He described his relationships with women before he met Yolanda as one long argument, which I can totally see that. Um, He said, quote, I have found that women in general, (laughs) this is oh, my gosh, just stop talking right there. I have found that women in general don't like to be out talked. When you go out in groups, it often comes down to discussions, women on one side, men on the other and back then now i don't know what he's talking about like other side of the argument on the other side of the debate or like all the all the women go and, and like they're talking with each other and all the guys are talking with with each other on the other side of the table like that like sort of se- self segregating in the conversation because that does happen like i make a point to try to make conversations jump over the table and get other people involved but i mean you should not attempt that at home i am a professional so <laughs> I do I do recognize the truism he speaks here. But he says, back in the day, he says, I would just be hurling it. Often women would get quite angry. They love to be able to talk a man into submission. And with me, it never happens. They can't do it. <laughs> Is that kind of true, though? I mean, all right, look, I just asked. I am just asking questions because... All right let me just say this way you know what the best way to get the last word in in a debate with a woman is generally speaking you're right i'm sorry (laughs) best way to get the last word you're right i'm sorry and you just keep saying it and eventually you'll get the last word if that's what you're in it for now why does that i didn't make that up but where why does that exist? Why does this joke, why does this axiom exist? Because there's some truth to it. Exactly. That's what makes jokes funny. There's an element of truth to it. I got a flash for folks. Men and women are different. Men and women are different. I don't know if that risks my job. Anyway. All right. So after Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson... Apparently wrote the book and the advanced copy of it went out to some media outlets. They then picked some passages, put them into news stories. Outrage ensues. Uh, The McClatchy editorial board writes a piece, uh, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson's truly wacky idea. Because uh, Robinson uh, said, you know, we shouldn't be teaching uh, social studies and um, we shouldn't be teaching science In grades one through five. And uh, we surely don't need to be talking about equity and justice. Okay. Uh, Now, to their credit, McClatchy pulled a tweet. I mean, it was just one of the three. But a credit where it's due. Baby steps here. McClatchy uh, editors put one of the tweets from Brian Levecki, who is Robinson's chief of staff. Levecki put these three tweets out in response to a tweet from Michael Bitzer, who's the the left leaning Oh, I'm sorry. Does anybody not know that yet? Okay, yeah. Left leaning professor at Catawaba College. I'm just kidding. it's Catawba College. At Catawba College. And uh he's quoted extensively. I, I I interviewed Dr. Bitzer years ago. Uh for some reason he has me muted on Twitter, has for like the last ten years. Um <laughs> so I'm not I'm not no, I don't I'm just giving you context for why I say that uh, I say what I say okay his t- it's very obvious to me when you follow him on twitter and you read what he writes it's very obvious where his uh, where his sentiments lie okay so levecki is responding to tw- uh, to bitzer's tweet of this story and levecki says because if the kids can't read teaching them chemistry and economics might be a tad ambitious NC public schools are failing to reliably meet even the basic and fundamental requirement of teaching our kids to read. Get that right first. Now, what they did not, what McClatchy folks did not include were the other tweets that Levecki sent. And maybe they felt like these weren't relevant. I do. So I'm going to read them to you. They're very short. He went on to say, for kids who aren't reading at grade level, promoting them to higher grades with more rigorous and complex subject matter that requires independent reading for success is not helping them. Those kids must be able to read before we throw biology at them or we set them up to fail. Essentially, passing kids who can't read up through the system does them a disservice, and until they can master reading, there's not much value to them in moving to harder things. There has to be a way to keep helping the kids who need it instead of making it harder for them. So is that a little bit of a different context, do you think, than the, than the single sentence that WRAL quoted that generated all of the outrage against Robinson on this? If that's the context, and again, if that's the larger passage, I would like to see that. I'd like to be able to read that and maybe I'll get an advanced copy. Maybe I'll ask his people for just take a picture, send me the page. I just want to see the page, but I'll talk to Robinson about it. We've got him booked to come on the show uh, in September. And so, yeah, I'm going to ask him about it, but I'm curious about the context because it doesn't make sense. At least to me, right? If the kid can't read at grade three, why would you be trying to send them home to do independent work where they have to rely on reading for social studies why why would you want why would you try to do that if they don't understand the words that they're reading how do they do that i understand like not everyone's a great reader i'm not saying you don't teach them social studies but if you don't know how to read and by the way that is the case that is the case in a lot of classrooms in a lot of schools in north carolina Robinson then did a roundtable discussion. It was for the Americans for Prosperity group and the Libre initiative. Uh, I think this was uh, Tuesday night or when? Yeah, Tuesday night. And uh, he told CBS 17 television station after the event, he said, quote, "Um, we're not talking about not teaching science to elementary school children. What we're talking about is putting reading, writing and arithmetic, making them paramount in elementary school. In grades one through five, the concentration should always be on those essential elements. So is he saying, blanket statement, no more teaching of history and science in K through five or one through five. No more. Or is he saying, if we can't get the kids to read and do math, maybe we shouldn't be doing those other subjects that rely on reading and math. What do you think is the more believable explanation? See, my cynicism is not misplaced here, guys. All right, news is next. <laughs>